Welcome to another episode of Majoring in the Minors podcast, a podcast where we talk about how majority of people focus on the minor and insignificant things in life. Your hosts, as usual, Mahan Elmi and Luis Anton. Our sponsors of today's episode are Multicolored Pens, The Sadness When You Forget to Feed Your Tamagotchi and It Dies. If you guys don't know what Tamagotchi is, like, it's a, it's a very old school game we used to play. Any Nicolas Cage movie. And God Bless Thy Soul, MySpace. Today, today's topic is going to be about anti-fragility. And because I don't know, I, I don't know much about the book itself. I haven't read it. I know the concept, but I'm going to let Lewis open up and talk about the book and the concept and just like kind of explain it to us for a bit. Uh, howdy, y'all. Uh, I'm not going to delve into the book too much, but the concept itself, um, which basically is um, a concept I kind of agree with. It's basically gaining from disorder. So uh, think of a diamond. You know, how are diamonds kind of made? It's, it's like, what, what's the difference between a diamond and a, a rock? Well, a diamond is like dirt that's been pounded and pounded and pounded. And it's weathered a lot of n- nature's, uh, you know, Poundness. attacks. And it's just, it's strengthened over time. It's not that it just survived. It actually thrived and it became something hardened, solidified and valuable. And I, I strongly kind of believe in this where it's not just about surviving. It's not just about being uh, not fragile. It's about actually gaining from order. So if someone hits you, uh, you can either just survive the hit and get back up or you could actually become stronger from that hit. And one way of looking at it is uh, fitness, uh, the gym. So how do you gain muscle? You break down muscle. You don't actually get stronger at the gym. You get stronger outside the gym when you recover. So that's one way of looking at anti-fragility. You break down the muscle and with enough nutrition, you get a bigger muscle or a stronger muscle. So, if you were just going to the gym and breaking down your muscle only to have the same amount of muscle, you're not really anti-fragile. So that's where I think gaining from chaos, gaining from disorder, uh, it's a really good idea. It's a really good thing. It's not always applicable, of course, but and this can apply to a lot of things, whether it's emotion, whether it's uh, at work and across life. And I think right now in our very chaotic world, it's a really good idea to actually thrive when things are going bad, if, if, you're, if you're able to, because then you only come out stronger. And I'll now open the floor to Mahi to talk about this from a gym perspective, because he always has comments. All right. <laughs> Of course I do. Well, first thing I want to say again in typical Mohan fashion is completely go off the rails and be like, uh, when we t- oh. like, 
because I'm going to use your example, because when we talk about muscle damage, sometimes people are, you know, breaking down muscle. Sometimes uh, people get this idea of muscle damage equals muscle growth. Uh, and I just want to do, I, I, right, right off the bat say that that is not the case. It's about mechanical tension. If you can build mechanical tension. Now, muscle damage is a byproduct of it. Uh, now we know that mechanical tension attributes more to muscle growth. And you could, because of the tension, well, the mechanical tension, the force you apply through the muscles, you could have muscle damage. But and but the, in the conversation when we say muscle breakdown, yeah, we always have this equation of yeah, muscle protein synthesis and and uh, muscle uh, protein breakdown or synthesis. So yes, but I don't want people to associate that with muscle damage. And people think like, oh, I'm just going to do things that damage the muscle and then like it'll help with muscle growth. Think about mechanical tension more. But outside of that, uh, I do like, so for me, obviously like you hear an, um, anti-fragility. And I like the concept of concept that anti-fragility is not just the opposite of being fragile. Like I think uh, people think opposite of being fragile is just like, I don't know, yeah, you're sturdy. But if you're sturdy, you're just, you're, you're, I think in the book it says it as well. You're just yeah. um, dealing with the pressure. You're not growing from yeah. it. That's why anti-fragility comes. And I think uh, that, 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 in the fitness industry would be kind of sort of uh, the concept of progressive overload to a certain extent, right? Uh, I think a lot of people just, they, they just go to the gym, you know, they, they, they either do um, what I call junk volume, which is too much volume reps and sets, right? And training smart and creating enough tension at the right times to benefit from it. Uh, uh, or they're just not pushing themselves and they're just like, they don't know a real intensity and they're just doing day in, day out, uh, doing the same things. Uh, again, nine out of 10 times, I'd rather people come to the gym and train rather than, I don't know, staying at home and not doing anything and staying active. But then it gets to a point of rating, uh, rate of diminishing returns. People are just doing the same thing over and over again. And like they're not getting anything out of it. So they're not pushing, they're not kind of, uh, succumbing to the chaos or disorder that we talked about so, like they're not becoming anti-fragile they're just being sturdy you know I think maybe you should go into mechanical tension a bit because I think people might not know okay, what that me is uh, mechanical tension alright uh, <laughs> that, that's going to be a long topic though okay, okay. like like just a couple, right, to right. summarize. Let, yeah, let, yeah. Let's just summarize. Basically, uh, if you go look, look into muscle contractions, I'm, I'll try to make it as simple to, like, I don't know who's going to listen to this, but if I make it as simple as possible. First, we need to understand how muscles contract, all right? If you just break down the muscles to, like, the, like the base elements, eventually you get these kind of um, filaments going over each other. Um, your myosin and active filaments are kind of, like, imagine if you interlace your fingers, um, these are the filaments, all right? And for a muscle to contract, the, these, they have to kind of creep or like they have these hands on it that pull on, on each other and they just pull each other closer and closer and closer and they contract, all right? So these filaments, we call it sliding filament theory. They kind of pull each other closer 
together and then they slide over each other and they contract and again think like you just lock your fingers together all right uh that's how muscles contract so now at the beginning before the muscle contracts obviously because they can slide on top of each other and they have so much surface area they have the greatest potential to create force because they, they they can still kind of think they still can cross on top of each other but when they get to the end of this contraction there's no further space for them to kind of crawl on so they go down and being able to create force so mainly they're strong in this middle area that they can slide on top of each other so that's muscles way of producing force and it's stronger normally halfway through so producing force one concept of uh, mechanical tension very crude way of explaining it another thing is our muscle groups normally we can break them down into high threshold um, and low threshold all right so high threshold motor but um, well, big muscle bundles are controlled by these motor neurons that we call high threshold most high threshold motor neurons they have like a bit more of an explosive kind of uh, reaction or a activation and then we have muscle bundles that are controlled by low threshold threshold motor neurons and they're normally type uh, one they're more like endurance and they're smaller bundles so in your body muscles always fire from starting from low threshold or like smaller bundles of like you know uh like six uh, seven muscle uh, uh fibers to like thousands and the smaller ones are low threshold, bigger ones, high threshold. And our body always starts from low threshold to high threshold and it has to kind of fire in that sequence. And it does so as it gets uh, through an action. So think like if you hold a pen in front of you, you're not exerting too much force. So now these are low threshold muscles holding that pen away from you. But if you were to hold that for like 30, 40 minutes, now all those smaller um, muscle bundles are exhausted and your body needs to use more and more bigger and bigger muscle bundles and uh, utilize high threshold motor neurons. So when it comes to training, we want to obviously, and these high, like bundles that are uh, affected by the high threshold motor neurons have bigger uh, potential for growth. Best example of it is if you look at bodybuilders, uh, bodybuilders' legs seems like it has like unlimited potential to grow like it, they just like nowadays they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger but if you think of it we use our hands on a daily basis but our hands they don't like they don't grow in size as much compared to the rest of our body compared to the potential that other parts have so muscles in the hand more low threshold muscles in the leg more high threshold that that way you can understand like which ones have more potential to grow now with that being said, uh, when we want to create mechanical tension through a muscle, we have to think about we want to uh, stimulate high threshold motor neurons, but also we want to be able to create enough force and um, force velocity. Oh, now I have to explain force velocity. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe. No, maybe I'm going to bring it together. Not, I'm going to yeah. bring it together. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, sorry, okay. I'm just going to bring it together. So that way, like the best way I can think of it is. You want a, uh, let's say, if you want to create a lot, of, there's other things go to this, but if you want to create a lot of mechanical tension, for example, in a, any exercise, you want to choose a weight that is hard enough for you that the movement is slow enough. Because 
if those filaments cross over each other really fast, they can't create force. They can't create, they, don't, they won't produce as much force. So you want a weight to be heavy enough that makes you move slow enough that you can create more and more force as these filaments slowly cross over each other. But if it's, but if it's not heavy, obviously if you slow it down by yourself, you're creating force, but you're not eliciting um, high threshold between your eyes. So now to get more high threshold activity, that'll be intent. That'll be a weight that even though it's heavy that you're moving slow, your intent or your goal is to fire it as fast as you can. So you want to be explosive. But people always like between these two, they either jump to being very explosive or very heavy. And they don't get this balance in between these two to get these two factors working together. So a heavy enough weight that you have the intent of moving explosively under helps you create mechanical tension throughout the muscles. All right. Contractile tension throughout the muscles. So proper contractor tension is more important than muscle damage. I am done. Bringing it back to you. Sorry. Wow, I, I said make it simple, but okay. That was simple. <laughs> that was my simple. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, good thing we have an imaginary audience anyway. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> estimated 14 people. Yeah. Yay. All right, but yeah, going but, back to... Uh, going back to anti-fragility or whatever other topic we then cross over to because that's what we do uh 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 <laughs> okay human I'm gonna, being, like, yeah human beings are anti-fragile i mean in general we have thrived uh, whenever there's chaos empires have been built uh and you can see it i mean nicholas talib says it in his book um well before covid the airline industry actually was uh, well not the airline industry but more the um the the system of air the way airplanes the air traffic controllers i forgot what it's called the the actual system but that sort of system where uh you never see that many plane crashes compared to let's say car crashes and that's because the system is so efficient nowadays compared to before uh, you don't see that, you know, air traffic in general, it's a much more efficient system, even though its scale is massive. Uh, but that's because it gains over time. So uh, when it first started, it was probably chaotic. Uh, you know, pl the, the air traffic controllers probably couldn't control the way planes yeah. where they went. And then as over time, uh, the system learned from itself and then it actually just became more efficient. It's not perfect, obviously, but it's much more efficient considering it's, you know, there is more potential for things to go wrong. Uh, AI is another example. Uh, some, there are these bots where if you talk to them, uh, like you, chat, you type with them, at first they may not know your answers. And then over time it will learn because the developers will pick up what you've asked and they'll sort of, They'll inject it back in with coding. Yeah. So there's an algorithm that would take place. Obviously, I'm not going into the nitty gritty. I'm not a data scientist, but these would learn over time and then they just become more efficient. So they'll gain from breaking. So that's another way of looking at it. And this also goes back to stoicism and other concepts. I know you oh, love stoicism. My favorites. Uh, but basically, it's just gaining 
from disorder, as per the subtitle of Nicholas uh, Nassim Taleb's book. I, I, I plug that in now. Uh, yeah. But that is basically what it is. It's gaining from disorder, I mean, as a concept, whether it's a diamond, whether it's uh, a muscle from mechanical tension, <laughs> whether, yeah. whether it's, uh, I don't know, Pokemon, you're gaining from disorder. Exactly. Uh, one thing I'm going to say is uh, for people who are wondering why we're throwing in names. So we talk about anti-fragility. It's a book written by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Finally, we remembered someone's name. Uh, Lewis actually has it by at hand, so we can just read the name. That's why we keep throwing the name in. Now we're confident yeah. because we remember someone's yeah. name. Having have said that, I don't know who said this line, but I like this line that if you move, move fast, especially in business, all right? And I, or like not business in general, in life sometimes, not in a car, but what I mean by that is sometimes that disorder and that chaos actually yields something truly magnificent. Like again, to our imaginary thousands of followers, Lewis and I moved and we moved fast. We just decided to do this and we went for it. And you learn from that disorder. We're just like, you know, we're making it up as it goes. And I think we're just, exactly. we get better and better at it. We have no real structure and that's why it works because we're just learning. We're trying to learn. We're AI. We might, we might hit, we might hit fifteen. Yeah, you know, people. You, the lucky fifteen person. You know what? If you do listen to this, we will donate a. No, 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 no. Let's not promise anything for legal reasons. No, no, no. I was gonna say we're gonna donate a single penny to the Mahans Institute of Helping Children Who Are Mahan. We'll probably have to cut that out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. <laughs> no, but it was, uh, it, it was imaginary talk. No, but uh, we'll uh, we can always donate, but that's uh, that's another time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just basically thriving in chaos. Obviously, it's easier said than done, and then this can go back to the whole stoicism talk of you know. Some people have it good and it's easier for them to thrive. But then, you know, I mean, there are also a lot of outliers who were actually in uh, difficult situations. I think it was 50 Cent. He's one example of a person who was successful uh, where he... I mean, what I remember was he went to prison, he, he, he sold, I mean, he, he went to prison, he got shot a lot, I mean, I think 10 times, 11 times, and then he, he ended up making a successful rap career, you know, he survived, but he didn't just survive, he, he like, he built something out of that. Uh, the Rock is another example where he, I think he played in the, not NFL, he played American football in school and then he got injured and then he also went to jail I don't know if it was before that or after that but then he also you know he started slow life hit him hard and he ended up becoming this really successful actor who's also an inspiration to millions so uh, I mean life's tough but some people end up thriving they end up yeah. taking the 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 out the outward uh, forces that push them down and they actually grow much stronger and 
that's the main lesson I get. Well, not the main lesson, but maybe the main takeaway you could take from anti-fragility as a concept from Nicholas Nassim Taleb's book. I keep getting the name wrong, even though I have it. Um, uh, and that, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, it's just gaining from disorder. Obviously, if you want more, you could read more books about it, whether it's the book Anti-Fragility or other concepts in general, because they go into details. But we've kind of summed it up in a, in a nifty little... I, I hope it's nifty, you know, where <laughs> Our you, know, you gain. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're not pros. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's to make it understandable to the layman, because obviously you're reading a book, you know, it goes into a lot of philosophical concepts, a lot of, uh, like, it will go back into the, you know, Greek philosophy and Roman philosophy. And, you know... Which is awesome if you love it, but if you don't, then at least you can at least think about this concept. Don't be yeah. sturdy, be anti-fragile. Exactly. Like I, I, I like to say, uh, I, I really like hitting rock bottom because like once you hit rock bottom, you first of all, you, it's another thing that I always tell people, I think people should get punched in the face. All right. Mm. I really, I, it sounds mean, but I do feel like people need to get hit in the face because it'll teach them two things. One, it's not as bad as you think. And two, if you do get hit and like it, you really hate it, it's just kind of like, or you, you're like, fuck, this hurt. It kind of teaches you something about yourself. All right. That was my one a day, um, the F word. But so I always say like, because once you get hit, it's not actually that bad. Unless like you got hit by a pro and got knocked down and not, I don't know, hit your head against the concrete. But normally if you get hit in the face, it's not as bad as but people because they've never been hit or they've never hit rock bottom so the, the other thing i was talking about because they've never hit those areas they're scared of it all right but once you hit there and you first of all the first realization is it's not as bad and i can always recover from it. and that kind of for me that's anti-fragility is just like even no matter how far you go back you can learn from it and get better and like adapt we are adaptable creatures so we can just come back and like you know uh, thrive obviously yes you could like get hit and then be down and then never get back from it yeah but normally we like we are creatures of we're weird we, we're like that's why we're the apex apex uh, predators like we've come we've clawed our way humans have and we're like we're there um so yeah i think that, like for me that that would be anti-fragility but another thing that uh, obviously probably will be another talk is i you see you hear me mention this a lot environment you said it as well i think plays a big role in people's lives so a like you feel lucky enough to be in because some people they could be hitting rock bottom and there is no like there is no option for them to get back up again because of where they are in life but if you know if you're a person who's anti-fragile and if you are in a good environment that potentiates your growth use that antiquity, use that chaos and just get better and better. Like we, we all have limitless potential, as you said, like good examples, the rock, we all, we all see these uh, motivational pictures of like, you know, he's young and he's like, Oh, I only had like $20 in my bank account. And now he's like $300 million worth. So we all have that potential. They're all human, but like, yeah, anti-fragility and environment, I would say like that they go hand in hand. 
Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you, because I haven't had the chance to actually read the book and I see they talk, uh, well, I read that they talk about black swans, but I didn't understand perfectly the concept of black swans. I don't know if you know what they are. Can you just break it down for me? Obviously, I'm probably going to butcher the concepts so or parties to the actual concept. Well, it's actually a separate book as well. So it's, it's a series of books. Uh, let's start with the idea of randomness. Uh, then it goes into Black Swan and then it culminates. Well, actually, now there's a fourth book, so I'm going to not even talk about the order because I didn't read it. Uh, but basically, a Black Swan is like a very unexpected event you know, in a nutshell. Right? Okay. So uh, where does this concept come from? I think it comes like he, it's taken from ancient Greece or something. And then it's in the book by Nicholas Taleb, uh, Black Swan. Uh, basically, most swans are white, right? Yeah. Like in your head, you're thinking all swans are white. But what if I tell you there's a black swan? You're just I'll like, think oh. of that movie with... Uh the actresses i love how we know the names of these actors. <laughs> Mila Kunis. yeah there you go <laughs> but yeah no so basically it's accounting for well it's basically we cannot account for certain things so let's say there's a black swan so you're like oh i never knew it, it never crossed your mind you never had the you were so confident there's only white swans that when a black swan appears you you wouldn't even know what to do yeah and back, and so he obviously, you know, he, he was in investment banking, I think. So it applies to a lot of other things where, uh, let's say the stock market. You, there are a lot of times where, you know, you have all these studies uh, done and, you know, you have the stock market, which projects like, okay, these stocks are going to grow. These stocks are not going to grow. And then all of a sudden there are like these black swans where, you know, events either happen that you don't predict like I think it was not this not this hit, but like the last recession in the two early two thousands, a lot of people didn't plan for it or they didn't predict it properly, and it just hit. Even though people studied, but they studied the wrong things. And I won't go into that because like there are more uh, there are better economists out there. Obviously, I don't I don't know enough, but basically that's the concept in a nutshell. It's uh, like unpredictable events that happen that we 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 don't we never really plan for because we we think different like we think about other concepts so we don't look at those concepts that truly matter like you would never think like a good example is the the turkey oh, this sounds weird the the turkey for thanksgiving yeah if you take the turkey for thanksgiving uh, a turkey that's going to be used for Thanksgiving. What 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 usually entails is the turkey is fed every day by a farmer. So to the turkey, every day he's getting food, right? But what happens on Thanksgiving Day? He becomes food. He gets killed. Exactly. So, in a sense, that's a black swan, right? Because if you take it on a period of a hundred days, ninety-nine days have him eating food. But then the last day, he's food. So sometimes the problem with quantification and data is it doesn't take into account. Okay, now this can go into a lot of things. <laughs> the problem with quantification in general is it doesn't always tell the whole story. 
So, mm -hmm. so while I love data, data is awesome. I think we should always have data. The problem with data is if, if you take a specific period and you say, okay, well, in a hundred days on average, X happens. But the Y is actually more important because the Y like could be the deal breaker event, right? Mm -hmm. But because you looked at it as a hundred days, so you're saying, okay, a turkey's being fed for 99 days. So his life must be pretty good. But on the hundredth day, it does. So, and then, then it goes back into why was it being fed in the first place, which is to become food. So if you actually look at it, the, the Thanksgiving turkey didn't really have a good life. So yeah. So if you think about it, if you break it down, but to the turkey for 99 days, it's the happiest turkey in the world is getting fed. It, does, it can run around, it can eat. So that's just one way. And then it ties into anti-fragility because we need to get better. Well, the argument is we need to get better at predicting the unpredictable. Mm. Now, obviously, it's easier said than done again, because one day you, you crash your car into subsidentally, and then you go to jail or you pine. The car crash, yeah, because we cut. Uh, the, basically, that car crash has more of an impact than maybe the last 10 years, the actions that took place 10 years prior, right? Because there are implications to the car crash, whether you meant it or not, whether it's financial, whether it's you might go to prison, etc. And that's the black swan event that's, that could shape someone's life. So mm -hmm. it's obviously in a car crash scenario, it's hard to predict because, you know, you, I don't think you go out of your way to get into a car crash. I mean, you don't wake up saying, you know, I'm going to crash into something today unless, unless you're into that, but, and it's in a controlled and safe environment, but in general, you're not going to want to crash into a building or crash into another car with your car, like, you know, so it's those kind of scenarios where they have, they have a high yield of, of repercussion, but they're very unpredictable. And that's the concept. So basically just trying to, I know I went into a tangent, but it's basically just trying to uh, be able to be better at predicting the unpredictable. Even though we have systems in place to predict the predictable, like hurricanes, you always expect a hurricane, right? So, I mean, in states or in, in countries where they are hurricane prone, you expect yeah. it. So we have weather systems in place that would show, okay, hey, there's a hurricane building up. So at least there's time to prepare. But in some countries, we don't predict hurricanes. In, in the Middle East, I don't think there's, I mean, I don't know, but I wouldn't, I don't think it's uh, the, the, the hurricane detection system is, let's say, as powerful as the system in America or in the West, where they frequently get hurricanes because it's tested more, right? Because there are more hurricanes. So here it could be a black swan when all of a sudden it starts to rain in the Middle East, let's say, people get a bit surprised because it's like, oh, you know, we don't expect it. In the West, if it rains, it's like, oh, it's raining. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool, you know? Yeah. So 
obviously this doesn't have that much of an impact, but that's basically the gist of it. It's just an event where that was unfathomable, you know, previously, and then all of a sudden it happens, like like the black swan again. You you only think of white swans, and then poof, there's a black swan, and then yeah. it just changes everything. And I think that's from an ancient philosophical tale, but I can't remember which one. Sorry. But, but thank you for... Um, that, that was long. Yeah, I don't know. Why. No, no, no. I mean the trend of not remembering at the end. I, I appreciate oh, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I have to. Uh, yeah, at yeah. least that's not a black swan, right? That's expected. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. That's expected See, that of us. that was a test. That, that was what I was trying to show. Yeah. It was expected black of us to forget something. Uh, no, I, I like that. And also, especially like the idea of looking at uh, data or because I think I came across something that it said um, there is a lot of chaos, uh, especially like, you know, when we look at history, a lot of decisions that people made or a lot of actions that happened or a lot of events that occurred. There was a lot of disorder to it. But uh, this was interesting to me. It said that when we look at history or memory in general or remembering things we give we give things a, a linear pathway so we remember yeah. things linearly whereas they did not happen in that like exact order like if you look at your past events in your life you might remember them as a like you know very straightforward but obviously there was a lot of chaos to it and a lot, there were a lot of black swans that now they're not a black swan to you anymore now it's just like something that happened and now it's become part of the things that you can predict so well hindsight is, right yeah it's, it's the power of hindsight when exactly. you look back you're like yeah this happened whatever but at that time there were so many scenarios that you didn't account for and it shaped your life to wherever like whatever whether it's a breakup whether it's a, a job whether it's whatever uh, decisions you took impacted, like pro propelled you forward. Mm. But yeah, hindsight. Exactly. Now, last thing I want to add is, um, for me, like the concept of anti-fragility is, is interesting for life. But when it comes to fitness, um, I think because I've seen people use, like I like to use it as well. I like to say I, I want to strive to make my clients uh, anti-fragile. And I think in a sense, you could say the same thing. I, for me, you know, just like the hurricane, I don't know what's going to happen in their life, right? I don't know if they're going to go on a ski trip and like, you know, uh, tear an ACL or something. So I try to, and that's why I like training with me. I try to get my clients to always have that. I, I keep talking about it. Basics, 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 strong base. I need, like, I want them to have these foundations laid. So when they are, like if they have these strong foundations for me they're anti-fragile because then if any sort of unexpected oh. black zone event happens to them obviously we can't prevent it but we can have them be in a position that they could mitigate the effects right so they could like mm -hmm. you know um <laughs> again like they go skiing I, i'll be like all right at least i've created enough stability and enough uh, at the hips and like you know enough put in like i've potentiated them enough to be able to do things that sometimes they're not accounting for so yeah, uh, that's how i would connect it to fitness is being able to program and for your clients and train your clients in a way that it as uh, obviously you're going towards a goal but also creating this strong in like system 
that's not prone to breaking or not prone to malfunctioning down the road so that they can thrive more and more. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's only so much you can do at the end of the day, right? Like, yeah. Because all training has uh, opportunity costs anyway associated to it. So Absolutely. nothing you do will ever make you fully uh, unsusceptible to you know, bad things. But at least getting the basics, getting your pillars right in general, I and mean, not just training, will probably keep you on a better path yeah like i guess with anti-fragility if you're anti-fragile even with a black swan event happening you have more chances of not toppling over as much as possible obviously this is yeah yeah in in real life obviously depending on the black swan event like if it's something that's very emotional or that like hits you hard and you you weren't prepared for it obviously you might break yeah but you'd you'd hope that you could uh, account for it and use the anti-fragility component to thrive but at least if you're sturdy i mean at the very least in that scenario that's better than nothing right yeah exactly yeah yeah it's better than nothing Good. All right. I think we can bring it to an end there. Yeah. All right. Any plugs that we want to put in there at the end? Mm-hmm. Any plugs we want to plug in at the end? Well, people should read the book, Anti-Fragile. Yeah. So Anti-Fragile by Nicholas, uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Yeah. Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Good book. Great book, Good book. actually. And actually, the series in general, uh, the the fooled by randomness, Black Swan, and Anti Fragile. And I think he has a fourth book, Skin in the Game. Yeah, uh, great books. If you if you're a fan of uh, reading a bit of uh, philosophy and uh, uh, sort of economical economics based topics, uh, yeah, I I found it to be a great read. Perfect. All right. Well, at at the end, obviously, I know Lewis doesn't like to talk about social media, but if you guys want to follow me, uh, you can find me on Instagram, lme.fitness. So if you want me to bore you with all that uh, mechanical tension bullshit that I talked about, you can follow me there. I'll try to put more stuff on my uh, Instagram. Thank you all, 13, 14 of you, (laughs) for listening. (laughs) Love you all. We enjoy the, doing these even if people don't listen to it. And with that, we are out. Hey guys, Mohan here. Just wanted to add at the end that if you support what we do and like listening to us, feel free to share it on any social media platform. Thank you.